Welcome to the Masters of Modern Recruiting podcast, helping you keep up with the brilliant minds in the ever-changing world of modern recruiting. And now, here's your host, Derek Zeller. Hey there, it's Derek Zeller with Engaged Talent, bringing you yet another fabulously exciting 30-minute podcast talking about recruiting, sourcing, and just whatever else we feel like talking about. And I don't like to talk to myself by myself, and so I usually bring on a guest. And I brought in a really fabulous one today, kids. You may know her as the mother of all conferences, the queen of SourceCon. Yes, I am introducing my very dear friend, Shannon Pritchard. Shannon, how are you? Good. I thought you were going to introduce Amy Beth for a second. (laughs) (laughs) The thing is, is I'm going to see you at some point and I don't want to get punched. So (laughs) (laughs) by either one of you, ABQ would probably take me out as well. (laughs) And the check I'm sending you will actually clear. So there you go. So keep saying nice things about me. (laughs) (laughs) This is how I get tickets to shows, folks. (laughs) Talk nicely about it. It's true. It's very true. It's a true story, but we like to say hashtag true story. So thanks for coming on, Shannon. <laughs> As you know, this is kind of a casual conversation between us and talking about the state of sourcing and recruiting as we see it. You know, one of the things that we've has been battered around just like consistently, people love talking about it, yet we keep talking about it because nothing's really changing from it. And that is candidate experience. What candidates are experiencing even now, uh, this is the lowest unemployment rate in uh, history of my lifetime in recruiting. And it's just like, it's, there's just more, more jobs than there are people to fill them, especially when you get into more of the higher roles, the technical roles, healthcare roles. What is your take of what's happening in, out there right now, Shannon? It's, it's very interesting. I mean, I started slightly before, you know, the economy crashed in 2008, you know, and it was, it was a little bit of the opposite market then, you know, I mean, first off, I was lucky to have maintained my job. I was working for T-Mobile in their car call center. You know, it's, it was a, a scary time. None of us were hiring. Right. And so yeah. it's amazing. Flash forward 10 years, we have how much we've grown. And now the unemployment rate is, is, is really, really low and it's a candidate driven market. What's also interesting is that, you know, people aren't holding on to their jobs as we typically see. You know, it's when I first got into this industry, it was very uncommon to change jobs every two years. And now I would say that is, is more common. I'm, I'm probably that generation that, you know, we really weren't looking for long-term employment. We were looking for like the next shiny object. And I think a lot of people see that now. And so that puts the pressure on us to deliver candidate experience. To be honest, everything that I have seen in regards to this industry, I do think it's getting better, especially with the age of social. You know, now you have Reddit sites and you have Twitter and you have a lot more platforms and social media sites that really, really out terribly awful candidate experience. And I think for the most part, you know, every time we survey people and talk about it at SourceCon, first off, candidate experience is always one of the most popular topics. But also, I I really don't think it's necessarily an issue when it comes to most sourcers and recruiters. And I say that in the fact that we are, we have bought into the process and we understand and we get the process. I think a lot of the ownership with candidate experience still comes from the newer sourcers and recruiters who are, have entered this industry 
and also the responsibility of the organization to hold those individuals accountable. There's a lot of stupid things that some sourcers and recruiters might do might slip up, you know, and it, you got to back up and say, well, have they had the training? <laughs> do they know how to pick up the phone? Do they know how to use it? Do they know how to talk to candidates? They might have had a bad, you know, experience themselves. It's embarrassing, right? When you talk to people, like, especially your friends and family, and they just, they get, you see the emails that they get and you hear about the conversations and you're like, oh my gosh, I know someone there. If I just talk to that one person, this will probably end. That person gets it too. But I think it's that second layer, right? It's, it's that accountability piece that this industry has been missing since at least that I have been in it, that we just haven't seen many organizations hold people accountable for. And that's what I think needs to change. I was hoping it would change, but no, here we are still talking about it, Derek. I think, sir, I think I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think one of the biggest issues that I consistently see is not the older the people with like three or five years experience, the one that have taken their licks a little bit and realized that if you treat candidates like human beings and, and not like zeros and ones, you're going to get a much better response, especially if you're in niche markets. You're going to run into that same person more than once. And if they had a bad experience with you one time, you know, that's pretty much, that's it. If you get one strike, you're out for a lot of people, including me. I mean, there's definitely companies I would have, I just have zero interest in ever working for either now or again, like to go back. It's just uh, because of the experience that I went through either in the interview or, you know, it's the, what I like to call the bait and switch is they tell you a lot of things and then you get there and within the first couple of weeks you realize, holy cow, this is not what I was told. But now you feel because of society that you need to stick it out for, you know, six months or two years before you can really look for another job. I think more people are starting to go away from that. I think a lot of candidates are, are kind of like, you know, right now in, in this tight type of job market, they're like, you know what, I don't need to deal with this. I'm just going to go work for ABC company and leave XYZ. And it's becoming the norm. The last study, study I read, the software developer, the average software developer leaves, their, leaves for a new job anywhere from 18 months to 24 months. So a year and a half, two years, and they're off for their next project. So that's interesting to watch out there. I, I think it's, but we, I'm still seeing the spam. The, I mean, I'm getting it. I'm getting emails pretty much daily, either through my in-mail account or through what I call my wash account, which is an account that has nobody attached to it other than um, it was one I used to evaluate software and recruiting software and uh -huh. it wouldn't get bothered, but it becomes like the spam folder for me on Google. And uh, I get all these, you know, these requests, and it's, I always know that like Lockheed Martin's looking or Boeing's looking, because they're looking for like a contract contractor, and they're going to pay you a whole thirty-five dollars an hour. And I'm like laughing, I'm like, you know, I don't even in that market anymore. I'm not even in the, I'm in the recruiting world, but I'm not, in, I'm not a recruiter anymore. I, I kind of hung that hat up for a while. Um, I do a little bit for us now, but you know, not as intensely as I was for other companies. And I just looked, I had this one guy who literally didn't even tell me what the job was uh, yesterday from, uh, I think it was from Hewlett Packard, like, you know, your IT background fits in what we're looking for. I'm like, what IT background? I looked at, <laughs> I looked at my LinkedIn profile. Yeah, I used to recruit people for data analytics and IT and software and things like that. But one, I haven't done it for over a year. And two, what exactly are you, you know, what are you throwing at me? And it kind of gets to a point where, and I've talked to many, many candidates over the, over the last few years, 
they're setting up their own folders and they're taking your email address and they're putting it into do not bother me. So it goes in immediately into a spam folder. They never, you never see, they never see your email again. Even if you've right. learned, yeah, right. I mean, even if you've learned your lesson and now you're really going after this person, let's say they're a Ruby is on rails developer or something like that, you know, something that's a little bit more profile, it's hard to find. And you really do have a job that may or may not interest them because of where they're at in their life but you've already kind of disqualified yourself by sending that really silly email like a year ago. And they don't remember you per se, but because they don't have to, you know, have you heard of that happening out there? Cause I, I sure have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I have. I mean, I see it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do. You know, I always joke around. I wish people can see my inbox. <laughs> um, it, that, that always amazes me most, right? When you, when you come to, me and you say that kind of stuff it's just like oh wow you really don't get it <laughs> but yeah no it's, but yeah that's what i was talking about earlier with the whole accountability piece who's holding these people accountable right yeah i think that's the nice thing about about sourcecon i'm going to do sourcecon a little plug here it's coming up in uh march of next year it's going to be in seattle this time very excited i'll be there i might even do a live podcast or something like that in the background and interview some people say hi Shannon does run the event, as she's said in the past, it's like herding cats, but it's always a great show and just a ton of learning. What's the theme going to be there? And that for this yeah, so it's the coolest part of my job is experimenting with conference themes. And it's not to sell the majority of tickets, although, of course, you know, it's, I got to get paid somehow. But really, it, I look at these events as a way to set industry trends. And SourceCon has definitely done that, right? We've had We Control the Robots. That was pretty groundbreaking and one of the first AI conferences to date. I think about a million people followed it. You know, we've done, geez, I'm trying to think, what, what was a social engineering? That was a good one. Um, that was a that was very fun. Yeah, that was in Vegas. The last one was growth hacking, which was a new theme for uh, the SourceCon audience. And it went over really well. And I think people understood the message we were trying to deliver. And so this one is, I'm not trying to set an industry trend. I'm trying to change the way we communicate. And so it's going to be, the theme is lessons learned. It's actually going to be called SourceCon, the road to sourcing greatness, because everyone had to travel down a road, right? But the actual theme is going to be lessons learned. So typical SourceCon conferences, we've all been there for those of you listening. This is the format that we typically see. You show up, you have fun, you might get a really cool session where someone pulls a rabbit about out of a hat and does this really cool trick and you're like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. And you go home and try to do it and you can't replicate it. So that happens often at any conference. And so I wanted to take a step back from the tools and take a step back from, you know, the heavy sourcing stuff and look at the actual person who is going to be presenting and what have they failed from in the past, right? What mistakes have they made? Where have they screwed up? And then what have they done to overcome it? You know, SourceCon audience is very, it's an audience that just loves tools and loves knowledge and loves to share information, but also they love people's stories. And I think we all learn best from one another and that's definitely the SourceCon spirit. And so this conference is a unique way to share information. So instead of sharing maybe something new and shiny that someone's playing with, it's going to be sharing an actual case study of, you know, something that they've done within their career. And, and I don't want it to be necessarily positive. I want it to be, okay, this is a mistake I made. This is how I overcame it. 
So it ends up being a positive, but I think we can all learn from other people's failures. And that's what I wanted to do with this event. That's awesome. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. And actually that was inspired by an article Amy Beth sent me and it was entitled, (laughs) speaking of Amy Beth, what's wrong with conferences? And it was exactly that. It's like, you know, that people were like, I want to hear how these people, like, how do they get there? What happened? How they overcome it? What mistakes do they make along the way? And then, and then how we can do the same thing. And so all the speakers were vetted and I said, Hey, this is your, this is going to be the theme. It's going to be a little different, but you're going to have to be very humble when you go on stage and tell us a story and then tell us how you overcame it. So I know some of the stories right now, they're quite awesome and I'm excited to see the rest of this conference come together. That's how we started this conversation though, that if we treat each other like we treat our candidates, then how are we going to stop the, the dog from chasing its tail? And it's an absolutely fabulous idea. You know, I mean, I've been a storyteller my whole life. Sometimes I share a little too much. But I do think that that's what makes us human as humans. I think it's a killer idea. I'm even more, I'm now more excited. And I think this might have been a scoop for, for this podcast that you might be hearing this first and what's going on. Because as a SourceCon attendee for many, many years now, a former speaker twice for SourceCon, it's one of the best shows, if not the best show, in my opinion, for the sourcing and recruiting community to really get together as a family. And the learning doesn't just stop when you stop at a session. The learning just pours out into the out into the hallway and the conversations I get to hear. And I saw this and this was really cool. And what do you think about this? And hey, let's look for this candidate together and I can show you. And you've got people like Jim Stroud and, and Ronnie Bratcher, little ABQ, Amy Beth, Cindy Davis, yourself, myself, Uncle Steve, Dean DaCosta. I mean, the list is coming. I mean, it's just insane. It's like, it's just, but each and every one of those people is approachable and wants to chat and wants to talk, you know, so just line up or just say, can I get 10 minutes with you if you have a good question or you just want to say hi. So that was our first time plug. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. But you mentioned AI. It's another thing I like to bring up because it's it's kind of like a pain in like my lower back when people start talking about AI, which just stands for artificial intelligence, yeah. and it doesn't really exist. If it did, we would be silent and we would have you know machines doing things without us telling them to do them, making their own decisions based upon experiences that were programmed into them. Right now, we're at the level of machine learning. So I think right now we're crawling. I don't think we're even, we're not even really like trying to walk. I, I do it in the future, possibly. I mean, Stephen Hawking actually said it would probably be the, the end of the universe or something like if it ever actually went through. But I like machine learning. I think it's kind of cool. I like the fact that I can program, or like Susanna, excuse me, Susanna uh, Conway built uh, Recruiters Who Code got that really out of SourceCon, the idea. And we had it, remember, we, we had a track for coders, right? Are we still doing that? Still do, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we have a, a coding track. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So like they had, we've had people come up and, and show how to write code in basic Python and how to use Tableau as a reporting tool, how to like do searches using those types of items. That's what's really cool. So I mean, there's lots of tools that are specifically designed to, to aggregate and find people like Shannon and I have been talking about. Engage Talent is a perfect example. Going to give them a little plug. They kind of, you know, run, this is, they, this is their show. Engage Talent is really cool. One of the best things about it is not only can it find aggregation for you and find the candidates, contact information, emails, phone numbers, so on and so forth, but it, the, machine, the machine learning will also tell you there's a vi- the viability of this individual actually wanting to talk to you. 
So if this is a person that you're, you're trying to go after a software developer and you didn't do your due diligence, you just saw all the little cool keywords that you put into your Boolean search string and you find, uh, you know, you find Jan Miller. Well, you don't know without doing the actual proper research is that Jan just started at Google three or four months ago. Pretty sure Jan's not going to want to talk to you. So, you know, you do all the spamming, you send out all these emails and your response rate is like 3%. Some agencies think that's, that's fine and dandy. They're still making money and that's all that matters. But I have other agencies that I know for a fact that went from the 3 to 4% response rate up to 28 to 35% response rate and doing much better because they're not wasting the candidate's time or their time. And they're reaching out to them with a, a well-crafted email saying, hey, I think you might be interested in this position because you know I see that your company just filed for bankruptcy or just lost a big contract or whatever, or you know, you've gone through three CEOs in less than two years. So the stability may not be there and that kind of helps them out. So let's move on to some other cool, like, cool things. What is your take on it, Shannon? I mean, from an AI slash, I mean, I know we use the word AI or the, the acronym AI all the time, but do you feel that we're at that level or are you with me on the machine? It's okay to not agree with me. <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely agree. We're not there yet. You know, I think we will be, it's just a matter of time, but it's really exciting. And, you know, it's in my opinion, I think if you look at the AI in the future and for those who actually do understand AI, it's, you need a human behind it. You really, really do. Someone still has to make the identification. Someone still has to monitor the data, overlook the data see the automation coming through. It's just not going to all exist within a robot. And to be honest, sourcers and recruiters are extremely excited, you know, that this technology is eventually coming. The beauty of true AI is that it's going to allow us to search things that we just can't because, you know, we're physically limited as, as humans. And so that possibility is, is amazing. And I, I think that sorcerers will honestly, at least with AI, will definitely stand the test of time. I mean, sure, a lot of what we source is going to look completely different and we're going to be looking at things in a, in a different, unique way. And we won't have to do so much search necessarily, but the actual identification piece will still need to be there. And that's what hopefully we can run. You know, that being said, I think we're at least 10 years away from that actually happening. You've been listening to me speak for a long time and I've been saying this now for going on year five. You know, if you act like a robot, you will be replaced like one because the technology, you know, is coming. And the best way just to stay on top of that is to make sure, again, going back to canned experience, that uh, even though you're a sorcerer and you might not be interacting very much with the people you're recruiting, it's important to add that personalization in there. I just did a, uh, I know I just did an article for you on SourceCon that came up last, this week or last week and days kind of melts for me. But one of the things I was talking about is the use of the phone and like you know, the phone is, the phone is kind of dying out in its, in its death, apparently. What are your takes on like email or phone call when you're trying to reach a candidate or both? Should you be doing a mixture of both and, or should you be texting? We'll talk about lessons learned. Geez, when I first started, I was like, I swear I held the record for the fastest person to be able to call a candidate. Like I'd find their resume, I'd call them. I, while I was calling them right before I left my, you know, standard voicemail, I had them uploaded into our applicant tracking system, listed on my call sheet. 
And also I had an email ready to go, right? Long gone are the days where you can do that. <laughs> <laughs> let me, let me, let's be clear. I don't know how many people have answering machines like we used to back in the day, which is great because the awkwardness of getting the spouse who was, you know, not working at home and you're like, you know, why do you want to talk to my husband? <laughs> that was right. always, I was like, I promise I'm a recruiter. I'm just trying to help him get a better job. <laughs> it's Jake <laughs> from State Farm. <laughs> yeah, it's Jake from State Farm. <laughs> she sounds hideous. Um, sounds hideous. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm kind of glad those days are gone. But yeah, I always think the process is, you know, send them an email first. It's exactly how you want to be contacted. Send somebody an email. There are so many cool email tracking tools out there. If you don't know, just go out to Google and type out email tracking tools and you'll get a list of them. And most CRMs do this as well. Track those emails, find out if your candidate is looking at the email, find out if they receive it. You can even set up you know, pings for the candidates to constantly get notified. I know there's a really cool AI company that just uploaded this to their passive sourcing tool, which is set to launch next week. So pay attention to SourceCon for that coming out. But you know, it's a typical CRM type format, right? The person is not going to pick up that first email you sent. It will send them a second one automatically. And then even a third one, and you can customize all those messages, right? If the candidate. That's the candidate's not ignoring, you know, if it's, you sent two emails and they're ignoring, you know, try a text message. Why not? You know, at this point you've made a little bit of an introduction and then try to follow up with the phone call. So that would be the order I would do. I would send the email first. Absolutely. Right. Make it responsive, add a little personal touch to it, right? Wait, track it. It's been a couple days, send them another one. Again, wait another couple of days now. Maybe it's the end of the week. And I'm pretty sure most of these searches, you can wait a couple of days. And then uh, do give them a phone call, send them a text message. They're still ignoring you. Then you might want to move on to another one. But don't be afraid to pick up that phone. I have no problem with texting. I've had plenty of candidates text me. I Our candidates text me. I've had that other way around. Recruiters text me. And I kind of like it. You know, because then I can just like ping him back automatically. You know, I don't think it's weird. I don't think it's creepy. You know, to me, it's, it's, that is personal, right? Hey, Shannon, I'm just a recruiter sending you a text message. Are you interested in this role? Thanks. Bye. Hey, you. No, I'm not. Hey, thanks. Bye. <laughs> it's, it's painless. So that's Especially with unlimited texting too. Yeah. I mean, with unlimited texting, every cell phone plan now, they offer you like, you know, what, it's like an extra couple of bucks. You get unlimited, you can get unlimited texts and so on and so forth. And I, I love reading studies. I know I'm a geek that way, but I do love it, it's how I can improve within my own industry. And it was an article that was written, not so much for recruiting, but I saw the recruiting implication is that 97% or something like that, if people actually respond to text messages, where only 40-something percent of people actually even listen to voicemails anymore. I thought that was really fascinating. Even on my phone, which I have an old phone, I have an S6. Don't judge, by the way. I'm just cheap. And <laughs> I, I do too. <laughs> but when I get a voicemail, I go to the voicemail, I click it, I click it to listen to it, but it gives, you like a, it gives you basically all of the text that was left in the voicemail. So I never actually have to listen to the voicemail. I can just read what you said. So you might as well have just texted me anyway. Because a lot of times right. I'll take the time to go out and listen to the voicemail. Like I'm busy. And if it's a number I don't recognize, then I'm like, my eyebrow kind of gets raised a little bit. 
Well, when something comes through on a text, even if it's a number I don't recognize, I'm more than likely opening it up saying, hmm, who is this? You know, and if they don't introduce themselves, sometimes they don't because people are getting used to it. I have to write, you know, like, who, who wrote this to me and, and what, do you, what exactly are you looking for? But it's really the thing that we're talking about candidate and experience as well is it's not always in, it's not always or ever always the beginning of the conversation either. It's ending the conversation. I think that there's another, there's another whole level of fear for recruiters and sourcing recruiters, people who are doing sourcing and recruiting, not just pure sourcing, making that phone call saying you didn't get it. And yeah, yeah. You know, instead, and, and I really find it personally offensive if I've taken not only the time out of my day to do phone interviews, phone screens with you, I've taken a day off of work or a half day from work, or if I'm not working, you know, I, had, I prioritized my interviews and I, I, I put you at the top of my list. And I go and I, I got good feelings and you're asking me like, you know, when can you start? You know, what we call buying questions in the recruiting world. And then all of a sudden it's just, it's crickets. And, you know, then I feel weird. Do I, do, am I supposed to bother you? Like I, you know, you told me you'll be in touch as soon as you know. So, you know, do you just not know or what's going on? And then eventually, you know, you get that email and you're all excited and you get this, this, you know, basic canned email saying, thanks for, you know, coming in and interviewing with us, but we've decided to go a different route or, We've gone with another candidate that we feel is, is better fit for the role. I just think if I've spent that much time as a courtesy to me is to pick up the phone and say, hey, listen, Derek, you know, you're a great guy. It just didn't work for us on our ends. We have somebody else that we feel is stronger in the things that we need, but we definitely want to keep the conversation going with you because these types of roles do come available at different levels throughout the year. So please feel free to keep in touch. If you see anything, you know, shoot me a quick email. We wouldn't have to go through the whole process again because you've already been here. And from a recruiting standpoint, it's a silver medalist. That's somebody that you may, I mean, you're lucky to find, let's say, like a Green Plum database administrator. There's not many of them out there. So you really want to piss them off because they're going to go to their Green Plum event or their, their Facebook page that they have for all their friends. It's a, a, you know, a secret page that only they know about, and they're going to talk about you. And that can harm you later on in life, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, speaking of silver medal candidates, I, I don't know how if recruiters and sourcers are aware of this, but a lot of the mm-hmm. tools that are coming out now, you know, Google Hire is one, Talent yeah, yeah. Hub from LinkedIn, their new ATS. They are ranking silver medals candidates towards the top of your search results. So, for example, you know, how you treat those silver medals candidates are going to be, you know, hugely impactful. And there are also a lot of companies that actually specialize in keeping silver medalist candidates warm and actually trying to place them at your competitors just as they have a good experience. So I know some of those startups exist out in San Francisco, the Silicon Valley area. But, you know, if you're not going to be treating those people right and they're going to be coming up the top of your search results it's uh, first off going to be a you know stern reminder yeah <laughs> you know, no it really is important to do that and it's not i actually think there's nothing wrong with a rejection email i just don't but i do think as a courteous you should have that rapport where you can call up somebody and be real with it and it's always it's going to be a difficult conversation yes we know that it's going to be uncomfortable, but keep in mind, we decided to work in an industry that we deal with people. And so that is a huge part of our job. And I think that's part of the, where the bad rap comes from. Like, right. It's like anytime you've ever complained at a restaurant, any kind of customer service environment, we filed a complaint. 
right? It's generally because you've been burned by somebody that works or somebody obviously did something to upset you. People don't get that upset when you contact a person for the wrong position they're not qualified for, right? But if they've been burned by a recruiter and then they get contacted by one, that's that extra level. So the long-term effect of customer service, I think Glenn, Kathy, and I have and, you know, debated this, not really debated, but we've had these like really in-depth conversations that no one's really measured the long impact of a terrible customer service experience on an organization, but that is part of it. And now we're starting to see that silver medals candidates are getting treated excellently by excellently, that one is. Uh, but, Spanish. I know, I kind of combine a bunch of words together, um, <laughs> podcast jokes. But anyways, um, <laughs> no, but yeah, if, if technology is taking it serious, then we do too. So. Well, that's awesome. All right, guys, we're at the end of our uh, show. Uh, you want to hear something funny before we, we wrap Yeah, up? I'd love to hear something funny. We can go over a little bit. Let's go. Okay, so I'm playing around in the Chrome store like I normally do, and I'm on a, a known Chrome extension that I'm not going to mention. And you know how when you're on that Chrome extension in the Chrome store, you can go over and see the related section? Mm-hmm. So, okay. So, like, the related Chrome extensions, you know, we got, like, Hire Tool in here. We got Seek Out. We got Zap Info. We have Bull, Context Scout, Improver, Connected Fire Source. Right? It's all ones we know. They're all sourcing, recruiting related. But then there's one that is not. And I find it hilarious that it's related to all these other sourcing extensions. And that is the Pokemon Showdown. What? Are you serious? <laughs> yes. That's awesome. That's awesome. So the Pokemon Showdown has made it to the list of sourcing and recruiting extensions in the Chrome store. So I guess there's talk about machine learning. <laughs> wow. Which is even creepier. My my Siri on my phone just activated. From our conversation, it's never done that before. Now it's it's going to start downloading the Pokemon Showdown. Everyone's going to be like, what tools do you learn from the podcast with Shannon and Derek? And they're like, oh, Pokemon. Pokemon. They're going to be like, that was the worst podcast ever. And they're going to be like, no, it's the best podcast ever. <laughs> <laughs> they're all listening. Machines are all listening right now. I was in Charleston at uh, our headquarters last week, and my boss and I were deciding on what we wanted to do for, for like dinner. I said, you know, I'm always up for Italian. He says, yeah, it's hard to find good Italian in Charleston. And I said, yeah, I know one place, but it's like pretty far away. So we ended up, we got in the car, we decided we were going to go and meet up with some other, some other friends. And about five minutes into our driving, his phone pops up and it's a pop-up for uh, an email or something that came up and said the best from um, Grubhub. It said best Italian restaurants in Charleston. That's creepy. We just kept mentioning Italian, but we never sent anything and we never looked up anything, nothing at all. And then all of a sudden we get an email from that like Grubhub thing saying these are the best Italian places. I mean, I'm talking to my boss is a former employee of Oracle. He's a former programmer and really, really smart guy. And he turned to me and looked at me and he's like, what the heck is going on here? <laughs> he took a screenshot of it and just couldn't talk, couldn't stop talking about it for the rest of the night. Just showing people, he goes, can you believe this? He said, this is where we're at. Anyway, this is where we're at. We're at the end. And I want to thank Shannon for thank and having a good conversation with me. I love it. And the most important people out there, my recruiting maniacs, the ones that actually download the show. And I appreciate you for doing so. It's free. It's fun. 
And if you ever want to come on and you're a recruiter and you're in the recruiting industry, you know, shoot me an email, Derek.Zeller at EngageTalent.com. And uh, shoot me an email. Maybe we can set something up. If not, I'll see you guys next week. Have a good one. Bye. You've been listening to the Masters of Modern Recruiting podcast with your host, Derek Zeller, empowered by Engage Talent. To learn more about Engage and how modern recruiters everywhere are discovering new passive candidates and getting to them faster than ever before, schedule your demo today at www.engagetalent.com forward slash request dash a dash demo. Thank you for listening and see you on the next episode.